Today on Let's Talk VoiceOver, we talk with award-winning games voice actress Sissy Jones. How does someone leave a high-flying Silicon Valley investment career to become a voice actor? Sissy gets into the details of her journey, from working stiff to building a successful voice career. This one is for all the people who are done with playing it safe. Turn it up, and let's talk voiceover. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Sissy Jones is an actress that has become well-known for voicing characters in video games, including the Walking Dead game series, The Wolf Among Us, Batman, and Grand Theft Auto V. Sissy won a BAFTA for her performance in the 2017 indie game Firewatch. She narrated the Academy Award-nominated documentary Winter on Fire, Ukraine's Fight for Freedom. She has done countless national commercials, feature film trailers, and network promos, and... She's making her mark in animation right now, including a lead role in a new Disney animated franchise. She is incredibly busy, but she has carved out a little time for us. So let's talk voiceover, Sissy Jones. Yay, my favorite thing. (laughs) Yay. So has voiceover always been your favorite thing or what? Well... I didn't know it, but then it, it, it kind of took over everything. So uh, I used to be a, a working stiff, guys. I worked in the Silicon Valley for 10 years, and uh, that is a grind I do not want to go back to ever. <laughs> now, how do you go from Silicon Valley to voice actor? That's such a so different dichotomy, strange worlds never to connect. Hello, crossing the streams. I know. What What's that all about? Uh, well, I hated my life and um, figured it was time for a change. <laughs> <laughs> Let's blow it up. No, you know, the funny thing is, is I always wanted to be a voice on The Simpsons. Like about, uh, about a month before I discovered voiceover, I was in Alaska with my family and we were talking about dream jobs. And I was like, yeah, I want to be a voice on The Simpsons, but uh, you probably just got to live in Hollywood. Like, I didn't even know it was called voiceover. I, I just thought you had to, like, know celebrities. Well, you know, H- Hank Azaria said that he'd happily give up the Apu character for not being offensive. So there might be an opening for you there. It's, uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> to, go from, to go from a non-Indian guy to a non-Indian gal. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm Nothing. sure that would fix all the ills. Right. Totally. <laughs> um, right after I got home from that trip... Like two weeks later, I was getting ready for work one particularly soul-sucking morning, and uh, Nancy Cartwright of Bart Simpson fame was on the radio espousing her love of voiceover and how lucky we in the San Francisco Bay Area were that we lived so close to one of the best voiceover schools in the country. And I uh, got on the horn that day, and I started taking classes that week, and two years later, I booked my first role, and I got an agent in Los Angeles. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, huh. that's where that's where I got my start. Yeah. That's where I met, you know, Mary Lynn Wisner and Charlie Adler and my agent, Dean Pinero, and right. uh, so many incredible, Jeff Howell, you know, all these incredible people in the industry. Mm-hmm. That's where I met all of them. Because they wow. were there as instructors, right? Yeah. You know what? I think you're the very first person I've ever talked to that's gone to school to learn how to voiceover. <laughs> Hi, do you voiceover? <laughs> and successfully has a career doing it, other than the the old Columbia Broadcasting School. I went to a weekend thing that promised me a demo. No. Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, it, it, it was really in-depth, and she had, you know, different tracks for the different styles of voiceover, none of which I knew existed outside of animation, um, and which all of now are my bread and butter. Um, 
but it was great. It was really, really cool. And we got to kind of drill down on video games and then commercials and then promos and, you know, learning the various aspects of the business. And, and uh, I, I don't know, it was it's been life changing. It's been absolutely life changing. Yeah. So we always talk about the importance of getting training. Right. But mm-hmm. normally not in such a structured in school fashion. How long was that training program and, and you know, how structured was it? Well, it's it varies for each person. For me, it was about two years of pretty intensive, you know, three to four classes a week type of thing because I was in a position that I could afford it. And I had the time Wow. Um, because I, <laughs> I made the time because I hated my life. Um, there you go. Right. But, you know, other people had been there a lot longer. You know, people that had acting backgrounds didn't take as long. I think everybody's journey is different. It just depends on your ability to absorb the information and and really let it become a part of what you take into the booth with you at the risk of sounding super cheesy. But, you know, there's a lot of people that will hear information and then completely disregard it or not want to take direction or, you know, whatever. And sure. So each I think each person's journey is different. I'm curious because, you know, the whole Silicon Valley thing is is so left brain and mm-hmm. voice acting is not. Was there something in your background that was more artistic, be it music or painting or theater or anything along that line? Yeah, I mean, I always felt like I was a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. Um, but I just thought, you know, I have a business degree from school uh, and I thought, well, you know, God, I spent all this time and money getting a college education. I better put it to good use, right. you know. And I, I worked with some really incredible people. I worked at a venture capital firm that was really, really great about nurturing my growth. I worked with a startup company that was amazing, that taught me so much about how to run the business I'm in now, you know, just learning how to run a business. Right. But yeah, there was always something that was missing. And I remember telling my dad, my dad when I was like six that I wanted to be an actress. And he was like, ha, 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 no. So <laughs> I was never really encouraged to, uh, you know, follow that. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 am, I feel I'm, that pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am really grateful that I got the experience of not only corporate, but what it means to run a business. Because I think it sets me apart in what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. I understand my product. I understand my brand. I understand the need to work with my team to maximize profit. You know what I mean? I understand networking, Um, all of which are things that I don't think I would have an understanding of if I hadn't lived it. Mm -hmm. One of the things that, that I've talked to a lot of people about in the past is always about working your business, sometimes even more than working your craft. Yeah. And... I'm just kind of curious from your point of view, you know, how, what is that balance for you? How much you, are you continuing to work on your voice or is it like the voice is kind of set and I do this, maybe I take a little training here and there and it's all business because you do have a different path. It's, you know, that's a really good question and it's, yes, constant, all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if business is slow, it's a good time to, to take a step back and look at the business, you mm-hmm. know, how are my opportunities looking? Great. Okay, good. Then then something is inherently wrong with the reads that I'm turning in or tastes are shifting. And then how do I ride out that storm for video games? There are events, there is PAX and PAX East and uh, PAX Australia. And then there's GDC and um, E3 and Comic-Con, which ones are worth going to, which ones are going to give me some sort of return on investment. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I just got back from PAX East in Boston where I made a whole trip out of it. I went to PAX and then I went to New York and I met my agents and I met clients and then I went to DC and I met my political clients. 
And it's it's paying back in spades mm-hmm. because I took the time to go. Yep. Right. You know, it was it was money out of my wallet. But sometimes you got to spend money to make money. Right. Well, and I think the face-to-face interaction, you know, as much as we all want to work remote and as much as we do things like this where they are remote, we're all in three different cities, mm-hmm. that face-to-face makes such an enormous difference. And Oh, of course. Especially if you're somebody who's doing uh, voiceover in, you know, in, in Boise, um, it might be difficult to get out <laughs> and do that. Which, by the way, I didn't even know you were from there either. <laughs> I was going to say, is that a random city you're pulling out? Or yes, I am from Boise, Idaho, born and raised. Randomly pulled from our information and research it's what but actually but actually no it is it is a random city no you know the interesting the thing that i've really found is that you know what i do you have to there has to be an inherent talent right you have to have it whatever it is absolutely um sure and you have to study and you have to know what you're doing but you also got to get out and network if you're not hustling you're behind the eight ball yep. because if i'm a casting director and i send out an audition and i get three thousand reads back for one role if I know your name, you're going to stand out to me. Mm-hmm. If you're just another Joe Schmo, uh, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Good point. So that's why I think, you know, you can carve out a career in middle America and Boise, Idaho. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the big meaty roles because they want to know who you are. They want to know, are you directable? They want to know, are you going to overstay your welcome? Or are you going to be cool? They want to know what kind of you know, what product do you bring to the table for, you know, in business sense? Mm -hmm. And so I spend a lot of my time going to the casting director workshops and having lunches with people and getting my name out there because yes, I have an agent who I love and adore, but it's my job to stay sharp. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that people, a lot of actors don't understand about an agent yeah. is that a lot of them really. Oh, that's the big. That's probably the biggest thing. Everyone thinks that the, the agent is the golden, the golden goose, right? And once you <laughs> land the agent, well, your job is over, right? Yeah, that's when the fun starts. Yeah, that's that's table stakes, right? Um, <laughs> and and you can actually yeah. have a very successful career without an agent if you're willing to put in the networking and and all the effort and the energy to build, craft, foster, and grow the relationships, right? Yes. I mean, there are plenty of people who aren't from a big city who have a great career in voiceover because, well, they've got 30 or 40 or 50 regular clients that they do work for month in, month out. And that's a Mm -hmm. lot of work. That's so important. It is a lot of work. You know, send send thank you cards, send holiday gifts, just stay at the top of people's minds. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So I'm still absolutely enthralled by the story of going from being a Silicon Valley investment banker to, hey, I'm just going to throw it all away and do this voiceover <laughs> thing. How does one get to that point? What was you, What was your trip? What was your journey in that whole thing? Oh, you know, it was... Um... It w- I was just so deeply unhappy. And I had gotten to that point where I was like, God, there has to be more to life than this. If this is all there is... <laughs> walk me into yeah. the nearest set of oncoming traffic because it was <laughs> it was just bad it was real real bad and you know i was 30 so it's not like i was old but i also wasn't like a spring chicken you know yeah um and i could kind of see my career trajectory in the silicon valley but it just seemed like such a slog and when i heard nancy on the radio there was just something that was like just this light going off in my head of like, do this, do this, stop everything you're doing, call right now, make it happen. And I went and I just, it just got its hooks in me. You know what I mean? And I, I started 
just going to the classes that I could. And, and I had a really particularly bad day at work and I came home and I was just sobbing and my now husband, you know, came home and I was on the phone with my recruiter to try to find another job. And he was like, hang up the phone. He was like, you hate that. Why would you go get another one of that? Yeah. You found this thing that you love that drives you that I've never seen you happier about. Chase that. See where that goes. You know, so having that support and having the, you know, that the, he believed in me was incredible. And uh, and I was able to do it. As we know, there is a lot of work in the Bay Area and there are a lot of actors mm-hmm. there, but you made the decision to move, to go to L.A. Was mm-hmm. that also kind of spur of the moment? Was that well-researched? Um, oh, that was well thought out. Okay. Uh, so, so number one, I had signed an agent before, signed to an agent before moving, which doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So that was like, okay, that's a pretty good sign from the universe that maybe this yeah. is the right path. I took, uh, you know, a few information gathering trips down here, maybe three or four trips for a week. And, and it just, it just felt right. You know, you know, when you're doing the, the wrong thing and you just feel like you're constantly beating your head against a steel wall and then you do the right thing and it kind of comes together like a zipper. Yeah. That's how it felt. And so, you know, I had a long talk with my my husband. We didn't have children. We didn't have a house. We The only thing that really tied us there was his work. And he was like, I can commute. You know, you can't. You, you, you can work in the Bay Area, but you're not going to build the career that you can have if you're in Los Angeles. Like, that's where the big fish go. So let's go be a big fish. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we did. And it's been incredible. I'm not going to say there haven't been hard times. I mean, for the first year that I moved here, nobody knew my name. Nobody gave two Fs about who I was, where I was from, what I brought. Because they have an incredible stable already in Los Angeles. So it took me a good year to really book. And it, it took Dean my agent calling me and saying, oh my God, you're so desperate to book. I smell it in your slate. Mm-hmm. If I smell it, <laughs> they smell it and no one hires desperation. Isn't that he amazing? Absolutely right. Absolutely. And that's isn't it amazing how that does happen? Oh, but I, you know, I was, I was like, oh God, I've moved us here and my husband's still commuting and I'm not booking and what have I done? And I gave up this six figure career and, uh, you know, all the, all the stuff, all the judgment and, so I got that call from Dean and I, I took a big step back and went and did some classes and found some coaches that I love and found my confidence. And then about two weeks after that, I booked the the voice of the weekly specials for Ralph's Grocery Store, which is a brand of Kroger, mm-hmm. which I still do to this day six years later. That's a phenomenal awesome. gig. What a yeah. phenomenal gig. Because I mean, that's the perfect one. It, it recurs every week. Yep. Every week. And sometimes they, well, now they have me doing fries as well out of Arizona. Um, uh-huh. Sometimes I do the Kroger brand videos. Sometimes I do Fred Meyer back in Boise, Idaho. You know, so it's like, it's, yeah. God, it's great. And the people <laughs> I work with are great. It's just, I, I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, well, because that gives you a floor. That's the biggest thing. A lot of persistence. Though. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to because the, one of the things that I think it was Juliet Tibbetts who works at DPN. One of the things she told me was your job is not to do the the gig well, because once you're at the gig, you're getting paid. Your job is to audition well Mm -hmm. and to audition well is unpaid. It takes heaps of time, heaps of coaching, a lot of no. And uh, you have to build resilience. Right. So learning that and Mm -hmm. understanding at the time that I started, 
you know, the ratio of auditioning a national television union gig, which is the gig to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You at the time I started seven years ago, it was 150 auditions to one booking. Mm -hmm. So understanding that gave me massive peace of mind. Yep. That's a good hit rate, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. really good hit rate, especially if you're not one of those top tier talents that everyone just automatically turns to and says, so give me, you know, A, B, C and D and then whoever else you think sounds good. Right. Absolutely. Because that's how a lot of that stuff ends up going. Yes. And you're also getting celebrities that want to do this stuff. Right. It's quote oh, sure. easy money, unquote. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, gone are the car campaigns. Maurice LaMarche is not doing, uh, you know, Lexus anymore. You've got Minnie Driver and, you know, of course, John Hamm on Mercedes-Benz and mm -hmm. Aaron Paul on yep. whatever he's doing. The Mazda stuff. Yeah. 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 That ratio from seven years ago is probably now wildly outdated. Right. So now it's probably yeah. 200, 250 to one. OK, great. I know that I'm not going to make a living doing national union television spots for now, but I will make a living doing all the other stuff. Right. And every now and then when I get one, it's great. So how did you start doing the games then? Uh, the Walking Dead was my first job. So I auditioned it through that my agency first, in San Francisco. That was your first voiceover job, period? That was my first voiceover job, period. Ha! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> you know how I think it happened is because I uh, they put out a casting for a Belgian woman who had been living in the States since she was 14. So she had a mild accent. Mm-hmm. And I went and researched the crap out of Belgian accents. And then I turned right. in my audition. And Sean Vanneman, who wrote that season, was like, oh, my God, you sound exactly like the woman I based this off of. It was some woman he lived next to when he was growing up. And uh, and he was like, I don't know how you did that, but yes. And then, and then he ultimately was the one that left Telltale and went on to write Firewatch and approached me and was like, I loved working with you on The Walking Dead. Left Telltale, writing my new thing, female protagonist, are you in? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's that old saying that we always have, work begets work, right? Yep. And character begets, begets character. And so that's quite literally your your good character and form has earned you that opportunity. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. That's just Thank incredible. You. And then, Thank you. And then the BAFTA, the BAFTA from Firewatch <laughs> and, and the BVTA yeah. Award and all sorts of stuff. You just have this. And, and it's funny because I'm sure that there are so many people that go, oh, well, she just got lucky. No, there's there, there's no I mean, there's always some luck involved, but you work at it all the time. So I do. And thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. It's when hard work and persistence meets opportunity, right? I, I have had a few people say that I've been lucky and and I have. But I also know that luck equals opportunity plus timing. Well, the thing is, is that everybody is lucky. There's always that one project that you get or that one project that you missed, and you almost have to take them all with a grain of salt. It's like, that is awesome that I got this gig. I'm so stoked to do it, but don't let it go to your head because Absolutely. the gig ends. You know, even Absolutely. every gig goes away eventually. Yeah. Right. And so you may go through another string of where the luck doesn't hit you. And, it, you know, and it, but it is creating those opportunities. It's, it's almost like playing poker. Yes. yes, there is luck involved, but if you learn the math, your your hit ratio goes way up. The the number of times that you do well goes up. And that is an art as well as a science. And so many people just skip that part or they give it short shrift. Yeah, it's 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 a fickle business and uh and there's peaks and valleys and honestly 
one of the biggest challenges of, of what I do is learning how to write out the valleys. Absolutely. And that's easier said than done. It is. And it's just something that, uh, that I think you have to get used to. I don't, I'm sure that there are some people in this world that that is not the case, but for the vast majority of anybody in, in this business or any other creative business, <laughs> you know, if somebody could ever figure out how to even out the money, they would make a million dollars selling just oh, that. Seriously. Yeah. But I will say that, you know, Gone are the days when you could really compartmentalize and be a one-trick pony in terms of like, oh, I only do animation yep. or, oh, I only do commercials. Like, you have to be all the things now to make a living doing this, right? Yeah. So that's why I spend a lot of time, you know, honing my video game slash animation skills. That's why I spend a lot of time working with promo and trailer coaches and uh, narration and commercial. And, I mean, it all makes up a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. What about audiobooks? I've, you know, th- that yeah. seems to be a, yeah, well, that's why I ask. <laughs> and, 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 and I say that with love for my friends that do audiobooks, but that's a whole other beast. I mean, I have, uh, I'm sure you know Amy Rubinate, who is just a queen, and she's incredible. She's building like this whole empire, but she spends all day, every day in her booth, right. and I can't. I'm fortunate enough that I, I have uh, enough other stuff going on that I, can't i also have kids which makes that really tricky Mm -hmm. yeah there are people that that really love audiobooks uh do really love it i i i don't know that yet i've found the person who's like oh yeah i do audiobooks and then i'm also doing this video game stuff for instance um i think it feels to me like audiobooks is an all or nothing proposition you do it or you don't yeah well, and I think part of audiobooks too is unless you're a big famous name the financial model of an audiobook is a little bit limiting because so many mm-hmm. audiobooks you record and you and you submit finished minutes or finished pages. Right. And so it's yeah. the entire thing and the financial models keep getting squeezed on that as well. Mm-hmm. Because more and more people are getting into it going, "Oh, I'd like to do that." Well, yeah, you know, yeah. we'd all kind of like to do that, but all of a sudden someone's like, "Well, you know, I'll give you $30 per finished minute." And you're like, "What?" Right. <laughs> What? I, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't see how good, the math thanks. works on some of those. Right. Yeah. And then, and then that's kind of where either. you go and you're like, eh. so it is, it's, but there are those people who go, if I can do 10 books a year, that, that takes care of my annual bill. I'm like, okay. Well, and that's great. That's, and, and that works that's for where them. you want to be. Then yeah, absolutely. Then you go for that. And that's, and you, and you found yeah. your niche. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I, I, I'm fortunate enough that I'm working quite a bit in trailer, which is like sometimes a 30 minute turnaround. Mm -hmm. So I literally have my travel mic and my iPad with me in my purse at all times and have recorded, you know, in a rando neighborhood in the middle of Los Angeles coming back from a session. But I got to get this thing in. So you find a shady spot and you get it in. You know, like I can't. (laughs) The car record. Yes. Yeah, yeah. As long as you have a fairly new car, they seal really well. There's pretty good soundproofing as long as you get, you know, away from any kind of major roads and and yep. and you have a fairly decent new car, you know, they they seal up pretty well. They're they're not too bad for soundproofing. I also found an incredible travel mic, the Shure MV88. Yeah. You can adjust the directionality on it. That sucker is amazing. Wow. Is that a USB mic or how does Yeah, it just plugs straight into your iPhone, iPad, Whatever. And it's I, I I sent in a broadcast quality spot for a trailer from my hotel in New York Times Square. Wow. <laughs> it's incredible. Oh, my. 
Yeah. Well, I have to look into that. I remember one time I was, uh, in fact, I was at a GDC and I was in San Francisco and uh, I was doing a narration for a program and I did it. And I was also not feeling real well because, well, GDC, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I submitted it and they were like, oh, this is really great. And then they came back and go, okay, so now we're going to need to match because we're going to have these changes. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> am I going to have to go back to San Francisco, book that same hotel room and then, you know, stay out a little too late the night before again? <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, yep. So do you do on-camera stuff as well, Sissy? I don't. I only do voiceover. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. I mean, there's always that lure and that, you know, to go, well, you know, I could I could do that, right? I don't have that lure. I don't. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Number one, I don't want to drive all over town for auditions. I get to audition with my agent. I get to audition from home every now and then. I'll go to a casting house and that's great. But yeah. to drive for an hour and a half and sit in a room with 40 people that look exactly like me, no. Um, I also really like being chosen for a role based on the acting choices that I brought and not because I wore the wrong color shirt. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, that's a very good point. The reason why not people get selected is so random. It, and it's the same in voiceover. I mean, it could be that they're eating a bad sandwich when they're listening to your audition, but at least I know I gave my best foot forward. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I have a lot of friends that do it and it seems tedious and I'm not interested. Yeah. Yeah, I think you I think you have to have the love of doing it um, in, as opposed to just the love of acting. Yeah. Well, and especially, you know, let's be honest, as a woman, it's there's a whole lot more that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to be judged on, you know, am I right. fat, skinny, whatever, blonde enough. Right. Old, young, whatever. I, well, I like yeah, on I, camera. I like on camera is first and foremost your looks. Right. And yeah. Even even for guys, it's the same thing. It's first and foremost your looks. Yeah. And then it goes mm-hmm. from there. And and talent is something that's pretty far down the list um, in some circumstances for on camera work. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. really hard to get away with no talent when you're doing voiceover. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty happy behind the mic. What cons, events, things that that you go to are the ones that you have found to be valuable as an actor and maybe even a couple that you don't think are or at least weren't for you? In terms of work gotten, I would say PAX, uh, PAX West, PAX East. I'm actually going to PAX Oz this year, which I'm crazy excited about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are really fantastic because uh, it's not something that a lot of voice actors go to, but there's games developers there, Mm -hmm. right? And so if you've done a project like Firewatch that they've heard of, especially the indie guys, and they know my work, Mm -hmm. it kind of sells itself. Mm -hmm. I like going to E3. I think it's a lot of fun. It's kind of becoming more of like a comic-con type thing nowadays mm-hmm. yeah which brings me to comic-con comic-con is a ton of fun but it doesn't necessarily make sense from a work standpoint because people aren't there for voice actors people are there for celebrities right yeah I've, i know a lot of voice actors that go to comic-con and um and from you know and a lot of them who tried to get me to go and it's like well you know it's not my scene you know what's what are the work opportunities and and it's always sounded like there aren't really any so it's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a can I swear on this show? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a big shit show. Oh, um, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. Like I go every year with Larissa Gallagher and, and Yenny Alvarez and Rebecca Davis and we have a great time. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I'm booking any work out of it. Right. You know, you go to PAX, you're meeting game devs, you're meeting uh, the people that put on the cons, you're meeting, you know, all these incredible people. 
And it's definitely something that it's fun and it is a good thing to be at. Mm -hmm. Comic-Con, you know, it's always good to have a presence. Um, It'd be better to go if I were on a panel. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it's fun to go to. What's your take on the uh, voiceover conferences? Have you been to any of those? Well, I went to VO Atlanta, uh, where I saw you at last time, Randy, I think, Mm -hmm. Um, which was really cool, incredibly well put on. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really, really good for people who are uh, interested in learning various facets of voiceover. I think there's a lot to be learned, and, and they're really good about bringing in experts in certain areas to talk about them you know the the year that i was there they had uh, a couple of agents they had a couple of managers um they had some casting people they had some coaches you know so it's a great way to go and learn more mm-hmm. which i've seen you know with vio atlanta and then i think there's a bunch of others that i haven't gone to like fafcon and mm-hmm. uh what are the other ones wovo is one that a lot of people have, have uh, gone to and I've, I've not been to one yet I think Rachel Naylor in England is doing some really incredible things. I agree. Yep. Um, which, you know, leads right into a nice little plug of where Randy and I are going to be in June. <laughs> Where's that, sissy? <laughs> let's, let's take the time because we've had Rachel on the show and she was wonderful. So how are you and Randy going to hook up with Rachel? What's going on? So Rachel, who is just so entrepreneurial and on it uh she runs a conference every year called get your game on and so randy and i are gonna go that's right she talked about that and she talked about you being on it but she didn't say anything about randy being on it (laughs) see this is all news to me i guess the uh, other guests uh couldn't make it at the last minute and they had to find some cheap substitute is that the uh, the randy thing it's uh, i'm not speaking for anybody i don't know i was available i'm john snow right here uh but yeah so it's so it's great so i'm gonna go give a speech on friday night about the evolution of voiceover and video games and then we're teaching classes throughout the weekend which i'm crazy excited about how fun And it's in London. It is at thevoiceovernetwork.co.uk. And if you go to that website, you can find uh, links to get your game on right on that front page. Perfect. Perfect. So yeah, what do you envision your career to look like maybe five or ten years from now? I know that's a really forward-thinking question, but with your business background, how do you see things shifting and changing? Well, there's a lot of really good things happening right now that I'm really excited about. I think... We're going to see a lot more female-driven content, uh, and I see that even in the form of trailers. You know, a few years ago, you weren't hearing women on movie trailers, and now they're happening, slowly but surely. Um, So I think we're going to start to see a lot more of that. Uh, Me personally, I am starting to work more in animation, which I'm super excited about. Can you talk about the Disney thing or not yet? I can't talk about Disney, but I can tell you there is a show that just dropped on Friday called Little Big Awesome on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they only dropped six episodes for now. I believe the back half are coming later, but um, I play an anthropomorphic nail file named Fresha, and she runs the <laughs> inconvenience <laughs> store. So. How cool. How absolutely see, cool. See, that is that. That's totally. Yeah. See, there, that's how you replace Apu right there. She runs the inconvenience <laughs> store. <laughs> I think it's a pitch. Welcome I'm not going to comment on that. Yeah. Gonna, no. Welcome to the Quickie Mart. We got coffee. Uh, it's been on for days. Am I inconveniencing you? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Man, realize that Simpsons dream after all. That would be cool. I know. God, wouldn't that? Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm also in talks for an animated 
motion picture. So we'll see if that happens because that would be rad. Yep. Um, that would be cool. I, I'm also starting to teach a little bit, which I had never really done before, but it's kind of exhilarating. <laughs> so now you know, are you I mean, are, are you open to taking clients? Is it in person? Is it uh, remote? How, what's your teaching like? Either. You know, I know that being in person is not always the easiest thing uh, for me either. So, you know, I'm open to whatever. Um, I'm not an acting coach. I, I don't know how to help somebody from the ground up, but somebody that has some background and wants to get into video games, I can definitely offer some pointers on that. Cool. Now, do you have like a website or something that someone can go to? Yeah, it's just sissyjones.com. The blessing of growing up before the internet exploded, I actually have sissyjones.com and sissyjones at Gmail. <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> so there are a lot of people out there who would love to quit their job and chase the dream. What advice would you have for them? I would say find yourself a good coach, whether it's in person or via Skype. Research reputable coaches and work with them. And if they think you're ready, talk with someone else. And when they think you're ready, talk with someone else. And when they think you're ready and you've got a buy off on all three, you're probably ready. Mm -hmm. I think it's very sound advice because it's great advice. Great yeah. advice. Wow. It's the, the thing I keep telling people is it ain't cheap and it ain't overnight. No. And if anybody tells you it is, they're lying through their teeth Well, because it takes <laughs> a lot of time and a lot of money. It, it does. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and I think that's one of the other, you know, if we want to keep going to things that now that you're saying it, that, that keep coming up in my world are people. I had somebody just uh, a couple of days ago that said, hey, I've got this student. And I think, and she's a little green, but I think she's really good and I think she's ready to go. It's like, okay, that, that sounds great. Um, so do you know any, do you know any good, uh, any people who do good demos? I said, well, I know a number of people that do. Um, what do you think her budget is? And she said, oh, I don't know, uh, probably, probably no more than a couple hundred. It's like, yeah, you're not ready. Mm -mm. You're, you're not ready Bye, for friend. a demo. You're not ready for that. If, if, if that even is where your head is. Because you you'll get a lousy demo, and that's worse than having no demo. And that, I think you cannot impart that wisdom enough. A bad demo does not leave. Not no. in the age of the internet. That's People true. People don't forget a bad demo, period. The, the, what drives me bonkers is people saying, oh, I took this weekend course and I got a demo at the end of it and I'm ready to go. And I'm like, you just got screwed. Yeah. You got so screwed yeah. out of like $3,500. And what are you thinking? And a good coach, a, a, a scrupulous coach will not do that to you. They are somebody that does that is only out for your dollars. That is it. Um, you, you, it takes time. It takes time. It takes time. I don't care if you've been in radio for 30 years. I don't care if you've been in theater for 30 years. Voiceover is a different beast. In fact, I was just speaking with a video game casting director yesterday at brunch. And uh, yeah, the mimosas were delicious. And um, <laughs> she is casting a big performance capture game where the people that are making the game are like, okay, well, there's a lot of, you know, action. And so we know that, you know, they've got to know how to hold a gun and blah, blah, blah. But there's also a lot of narrative driven stuff in there. So we can't just hire an on-camera person to come in and pretend to do voiceover because it's so different. So we need voiceover people that know how to use their bodies. Mm -hmm. It's so minor, but it matters. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a really interesting thing that you bring up because um, there seem to be 
two schools of thought on the whole performance capture and voiceover. Um, the people who are like, absolutely, I'm I'm totally in. Uh, it's maybe a skill they have, maybe it's not, but they're they're like excited about doing it. And then the people are like, no, I do voiceover. Yeah, and it's becoming more and more prevalent, especially with virtual reality and, mm-hmm. and augmented reality and all this other stuff. It's going to become a major facet of the business if you choose to work in video games. Mm-hmm. It just is. Mm-hmm. And so it's something I need to work on. So that's a skill that I'm going to devote some time to this year mm-hmm. because I want to be a go-to person for that. Mm-hmm. People that do a lot of stage are used to projecting and being very obvious with a lot of their thing. And I'm, I'm speaking generally, of course. Yeah, of course. Sure. Um, people that do on camera aren't used to not being able to use their bodies, aren't mm-hmm. used to having to voice an eyebrow raise. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's yeah. very nuanced, which sounds so silly, but it's it, it matters. That's one of the big differentiations. And that's why only about 20% of on-camera actors are really good at voiceover. If it's even that yeah. high. Because they learned all the tricks of the trade in using their physicality. But they... Yeah don't understand how that converts when you take away the visual aspect of of being a character. Yes. Some are incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Some are. Absolutely. You know, the the guy that I worked with on Firewatch, Rich Summer, he was Harry Crane in Mad Men, right? And when they first told me they got... When they first told me they got Harry Crane, I was like, oh, God. Like, here we go, another celebrity. (laughs) He was so incredible because he comes from a theater background. So he, he had theater... He still does theater. He did on on camera, worked a lot in on camera, and then was able to bring this incredible nuanced performance and believability to this character of Henry in Firewatch, which, you know, it, yeah. it, it also helped that we got to record. I was in my home studio. He was in his home studio and we Skyped together just like we are right now. He, you know, he was remarkable. See, I think that makes such a huge difference. Huge. When you're able to actually play off of another actor, it changes the entire performance. It really does. And especially if it's going to be a conversation heavy thing. You know, I've worked with with directors that can get great performances without having the other people in the booth. But God, it makes my job so much more fun when I actually get to do it Mm -hmm. with them. Well, sure. Sure, because that is acting. Yeah. Yeah. The issue coming from my side of things is that is still a really tough sell to most most game companies because it's just not the way they've done it. It becomes a big lift and it becomes a fight that generally I'm not willing to do because it's like, okay, we're we're gonna get into a tizzy over this and it's just not worth it. But I I really hope that changes as we move forward. I could not agree more. And you're starting to see a little more openness to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I just recorded a thing. Uh, that's coming hopefully later this year. And I have a companion that's with me throughout the whole game. And I, you know, we overlapped five minutes. My session was ending and she showed up and we got to, you know, sit around and, and talk and stuff like that. And they were like, the the devs were there and we were like, oh man, wouldn't it be great if we could record together? And they were like, is that something that you guys do? And we're like, yes. <laughs> They're like, would you actually want that? <laughs> yes. You know, so I think sometimes the devs are actually open to that conversation. Yep. So devs, if you're listening, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm with, Just I'm, because we're voice actors doesn't mean we enjoy having our whole life in a dark little booth by ourselves. <laughs> well, and, and what you said about working from your home studios, I mean, whether it's Skype or Zoom or IPDTL or, you know, yeah. there are a whole myriad of ways that that you can make this work it it would just make a lot of sense 
It, it does. It does. And it's so much fun. I mean, aside from the fun, I think it gives so much more nuanced and, and believable performances. Oh, yeah. Which is one of the things I do love about performance capture, because everybody has to be there. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So I think that's really, really interesting, and especially to see where it's headed. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sissy, we really appreciate the time that you've given us today. It's been really fabulous. Likewise. Thank you, guys. We're going to let you get back to what you do, and we're going to wrap up the show in the way we always do, which is Randall. BT. And then I say Sissy, and you say... hey <laughs> hey And there we have it. Until next time. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Sissy Jones hustles to build a career the way it should be done. Reach her at sissyjones.com for coaching, advice, and more. Let's Talk VoiceOver is hosted by Randy Ryan, owner of Hamsterball Studios, voice, music, and sound design. And me, Brian Talbot, actor and all-around creative guy. If you have any comments, questions, ideas for other show topics that you'd be interested in hearing, or you just want to let us know what you think, you can reach us by sending an email to bt at letstalkvoiceover.com or go to our website at letstalkvoiceover.com. That's letstalkvoiceover.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher so you don't miss an episode. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. We actually have a new Twitter handle. It's at letstalkvo. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk VoiceOver. We'll talk again real soon.